Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I am your other host, Margot Poupard. Well, Margot, it's the early 2000s and you're rolling up to a party or a dance. You're wearing two low-rise jeans or a dress with a weird bias cut or <laughs> awkward waistline. Maybe that top makes you look pregnant when you're not. <laughs> Maybe you have some questionable highlights or eye makeup and you're drinking something in a plastic bottle that is made up of worse ingredients than anything some anti-vaxxer has told you was in the COVID vaccine. You open the door to the party or the dance and what's that you hear? Nine times out of 10, it was a track produced by the people we're talking about on today's episode, Scott Storch and the Neptunes. Wow, what an amazing intro. Thank you. <laughs> it also yeah. gave me like nom style flashbacks. Like, oh, and it just swap out um, an alcohol that comes in a plastic jug with Smirnoff ice. Oh, um, God. And, and you have yourself a stew, as mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, the witch's brew of the early 2000s to mid 2000s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or a sky top on. We, we didn't oh talk about sky. God. But things cut on a bias as if your shirt and a piece of steak should be cut the same way. Oh what an absolutely God. brutal time to try to care about fashion. I, I remember at one point I had a skirt around 2004 that was all unevenly cut almost to us to say, shit, sorry. That was my birth control alarm. Okay. 
Hold on. I hope you keep all of this in. <laughs> all right, we're good. I probably will. No, I think what's interesting is the bias cut skirt that I had was so like misshapenly cut as if to say it looked like a home economics class disaster. Sure, sure. That seems about right. Or if I was like a fairy, like it was a bit of like a Tinkerbell vibe, but just like not a Halloween costume. Right. But like Tinkerbell, you know, you get the sense that she put together that outfit based on the things that she had at her disposal, not went to Aerocrombie and purchased it with her parents' money. (laughs) As she was a pixie in Neverland. (laughs) Right. And also a cartoon. (laughs) Before we get into it, how aware were you at the time that all the tracks you were listening to were produced by these people? Um, pretty aware. I was pretty obsessed with both of them. Like Scott Storch kind of came later. Like my awareness of him didn't really materialize until like the Paris Hilton album. But I was obsessed with NERD and Pharrell and Jay-Z, like late middle school into high school. So I was pretty aware, like his song with Snoop Dogg, like I knew that was Pharrell on the track, like much like a lot of, I don't know, semi-famous producers who also kind of have their own music career. Like you hear their name in there somewhere you can like feel what and neptune's is like such a distinct sound i feel like i could always tell one of their songs but scott storch only became the fullness and honest honestly the randomness of singles and production credits that he has like is there when you hear it and you notice like what a, a scott storch song is supposed to sound like you're like oh yeah i get it now but i had no idea that like cry me a river was something that he had worked on Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting for me is um, I very much like you felt the same way, like NERD, Pharrell, the Neptunes were all such a big part of the the landscape around us. So Mm -hmm. much so that there were so many, what I found out doing this research, imitations, like ones I thought were in fact Neptunes produced tracks. So uh, Jay Kwan's Tipsy, for example, sounds like a Neptunes track, but is not. And there are a couple of others like that. Like uh, Little Mama's lip gloss, like there were several mm-hmm. that came out in the early to mid 2000s as a response to the Neptunes that sound like it because of their influence. I mean, it was so it was so influential in what shape like, shaped the hip hop sound of the early to mid 2000s that it, you could not have it not sound like a Neptune song at that point if it wasn't produced by the Neptunes. Not if you didn't want it to get radio play because some of these songs I was surprised to find out like despite hearing them all the time and everywhere it felt like a lot of them barely crack like the hot 100 like if they did that was like a huge deal yeah they would never like get past top 10 top five like it was hard to come by a number one unless it was like by a certain kind of artist that sort of gets those things yeah they were still ubiquitous everywhere regardless so I do find that to be Interesting that like maybe they weren't necessarily chart toppers, but they were definitely the defining sound for the longest time. No, completely. It's pretty wild. Before we get into it, do we have any other things we want to start the episode with? I mean, maybe it's related, but the Britney doc that's coming to Netflix in like days, you know, like in a week, right? The 28th. So quickly. I, I I know. Well, apparently it's been in the works for a long time because, you know, as followers of de moi because it's our it's part of our job um being interested in pop culture they've been talking about this documentary coming out since the last documentaries they're like oh netflix has one 
that they're like starting to wrap up. So I know that editing a documentary takes an exceptional amount of time. So it makes sense. But the keeping it under wraps, I mean, good job, Netflix with the NDAs, I suppose. So seriously, I yeah, 100% agree. Obviously, there will be a mini episode to come, but I'm very curious, especially in light of some of the more recent developments, Mm -hmm. how if it affects the documentary, if it'll include that. So I guess we'll see. I feel like what's interesting about this one is it's still going to be it's going to be very present tense, not to say that the one at the beginning of the year um, was framing Britney Spears was not present tense. But I just mean that at that point, I think it was very much like a retrospect on what all had happened to that very point. Whereas this one, I feel like as they're filming, the developments are happening. There were one or two points with New York Times where there were those developments, but it was mostly a recap. And I feel like Mm -hmm. in this instance, it's going to be happening simultaneously as they were filming, which is kind of wild. I agree. All right. Let's get into some Scott Storch, who didn't work with Brittany, unfortunately, but maybe they will work together in the future. Who knows? (laughs) Like most of my random assorted obsessions, caring about Scott Storch started out as a bit. I mean, he was and is this like prolific producer whose music was a huge part of my high school soundtrack. But also he was known for being a douchebag who wore a lot of white and sunglasses at all times and produced Paris Hilton's excellent Paris. There were now verified rumors of how he went through millions of dollars because of a Coke and yachts addiction. But of course, a white guy who's really into rap would live every day like it's Big Pimpin'. But the reason I've been trying to force a Scott Storch episode for so long is that I actually really didn't know anything about him. And now we might have like overcorrected and veered the other way where now I know way too much as um, our text thread <laughs> is perfect <laughs> evidence has entered into evidence a uh, all of my texts to Emily about like, wow, did you know this? <laughs> like, it did, did you- get weird. It got weird at one point, not because of you, but because of just like the rabbit hole that is Scott Storch. I did not expect to for those turns to take you know come up and yet they did well buckle up because we've got you're about to get hit with so much storch facts you won't know what to do <laughs> oh god scott spencer storch was born december 16 1973 he's a quadruple s 3s names and a sagittarius he was born on long island and raised in south florida and philly His mother, Joyce Yolanda Storch, was a singer, and she was signed to Philly's Cameo Parkway Records under the stage name Joyce Carroll. His uncle, Jeremy Storch, was the founder of a soul rock band called The Vagrants and wrote songs recorded by Dave Mason and Eddie Money. His father, though, Phil Storch, was a court reporter, (laughs) which is a huge stark contrast. His parents divorced, though, in 1983. Apparently, Scott was on the path of becoming a court reporter like his father, but he dropped out in the ninth grade and started hanging out around a garage studio where the Roots were working on their debut album. Storch had played the keyboard since childhood and impressed the band so much that he performed on Organics and then later joined the Roots. He continued to co-write and produce songs with the Roots through 1995, but then he left the band, preferring writing and producing over touring, saying that he wanted to be known for more than, quote, just the white guy on the keyboards. Scott's first certified hit was You Got Me by the Roots with Erica Badu and Eve. Eve is like a Philly rapper and is someone that he's known for a really, really long time and is instrumental to launching his career, essentially. The Mid-Atlantic really gets a lot of love in this particular episode. Like the greater Philadelphia area and the Virginia Beach area is where so much of this all begins. No, I 
I think it's very interesting that this is kind of like where the sound, I, I suppose, was coming from. And then later it'll like move to Chicago with like Kanye. And then at some point it like it always like moves around and you can always trace it back to one or two people who are usually working in tandem to kind of like develop coexisting musical sounds that will then become extremely popular like i would say like some of like the jack antonoff stuff like of now and like how pop music all kind of sounds like that and it's all sort of like kind of like vampire weekend in a way like where it's like east coasty like hamptons rose drinking pop music that's like also a little bit like portland indie rock like that acid wave anyway it is interesting anyway His hit with The Roots uh, led to him working on his next big hit, Still Dre. On a trip to California, Eve introduced him to Dr. Dre, and Storch ended up co-writing two tracks for Dre's 99 album, 2001, Big Egos and Still Dre. He contributed his what would be now known as his characteristic piano keyboard melody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if it's like that boop. I feel like 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 Jason Siegel and forgetting Sarah Marshall, but... That's his character. Like he, that's his thing. Is like he's going to add like a keyboard, piano, melody to your track, and that gives it the Storch <laughs> vibe. Still, Dre might have only topped out at the Hot 100 at 93, but the single's popularity gave Storch the ability to command anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a track for his writing and production skills. He was twenty five. Oh his mid two thousands run of hits is fucking iconic. Beyonce's Baby Boy, Nine Weeks at Number One in 2003, Fat Joe's Lean Back, Three Weeks at Number One in 2004, Mario's Let Me Love You, Nine Weeks at Number One in 2005, 50 Cent's Candy Shop, Nine Weeks at Number One in 2005, and Chris Brown's debut single Run It, Five Weeks at Number One in 2005, which, by the way, all of these songs were featured at my prom. He also produced several tracks of Christina Aguilera's Stripped. He produced the hip-hop music through his label, Storch Music Company, as well as his music production company, Tough Jew Productions, LLC, which is published by Reservoir Media Management. Scorch was named uh, ASCAP's Songwriter of the Year in 2006. And just, you know, I I honestly couldn't narrow it down if I wanted. So what I'm going to have you do um, is you can give me like a, a letter or a year between, uh, let's see, 99 and... 2008 and i'll read you some of the singles or some production credits that scott storch has so hit me with hit me with one so do i have to do a letter and the year or a no just pick one okay okay i'll do uh letter e okay hold on Mm -mm. oh no this might have been a mistake actually give me a year because the control find is not going to (laughs) work Um, let's say 2003. 2003. You've got Can't Hold Us Down by Christina, Baby Boy by Beyonce, Clap Back by Ja Rule, Poppin' Them Things by G-Unit, and Me, Myself, and I by Beyonce. Give me another year. I'm going to say 1999. 1999, You Got Me and Still Dry. Uh, let's say 2001, because that's a pretty iconic year. <clears throat> Let's see. He produces a song on City High. Eve's Scorpion, he did Let Me Blow Your Mind, and that's what it is. Mob Deep's Infamy, he's got three tracks on there. Uh, Method Man and Red Man's How High soundtrack, let's do it. And Mystical's Tarantula, the titular track Tarantula, and All Right. 
Uh, give me one more year. One more year. Okay. Uh, I'm going to graduate. I graduated high school in 2006. So 2006. Let's see. What singles? Okay. You picked a great year. We've oh. got I'll Hurt You by Buster Rhymes featuring Eminem. Lord Give Me a Sign DMX. Conceited by Remy Ma. Why We Thugs Ice Cube. Give me that Chris Brown remix featuring Little Wayne about us. Brooke Hogan featuring oh. Paul. Oh, I was really hoping you'd ask me for 2006. Jackpot, baby. <laughs> Make it rain by Fat Joe featuring Little Wayne. Let's ride the game. You ain't no Birdman and Little Wayne. I refuse Urban Mystic and turn it up. Paris Hilton. Oh, that Paris album is such an iconic album. I was listening to it a few months ago. It's really almost a no skips album. Stars Are Blind, obviously. Screwed is still one of my favorite songs ever. I just, I will listen to it over and over again. That's just- I think Screwed Screwed is a Scott Storch joint, but Stars Are Blind isn't. It's one oh, of the really? few tracks that has nothing to do with him writing or producing wise. Interesting. And then what about like, nothing? is it nothing in this world? Is it no else in this world? Anyway. Yeah, I, I highly recommend giving that a re-listen. Okay, in a section I have called 2006 was tough for everyone. Despite being nominated for a Grammy for Producer of the Year and seven singles on the Hot 100, the cracks in the rampant cocaine addiction was starting to get toll. When Storch didn't win the Grammy, he told, he told Kurt Loder, fuck the Grammys, which is very <laughs> company of him. And also, please leave Kurt out of this. He's just at work. He's such a kind man. Such a decent human. (laughs) He passed on producing Christina Aguilera's Back to Basics album so he could work on Paris Hilton's Paris. Hilton and Storch were dating at the time, which he also was dating the little Kim when he produced Put Your Lighters Up. Sorry, I've been sitting on this fact and I didn't know where to shout it out. So it's just coming right here. She has a disc. So Christina has a disc track. Oh, I'm getting getting into it right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, this dust up about not being on for Back to Basics results in her having a track on Back to Basics called Fuss. Fuck you, Scott Storch. To the surprise of no one, Storch has never lacked confidence. He is a white guy after all. But as the hits and the money kept coming, his ego swelled and his lifestyle grew increasingly extravagant. Quote, I wanted to be the man, the king of Miami, Storch says, who once referred to himself as the Mayor Lansky of hip hop. FYI, Mayor Lansky is known as the, quote, mobs accountant. He was a Polish-American organized crime figure who, along with his associate, Charles Lucky Lusitano, was instrumental in the development of the National Crime Syndicate in the U.S. So this is who he's comparing himself to. A lot of that, though, in the early to mid 2000s, like everybody wants to be compared to someone in the mafia. And it's like, those don't usually have happy endings, do they? There's usually federal prison or death involved, <laughs> or a disappearance. Like, really, right. there's there's one or the other two. Watch Goodfellas one time. You're just going to end up in witness protection. But exactly. also, like, it's peak like a Coke culture in Miami specifically oh, that has God. you thinking that you're literally in the mob. It's like, you make hip hop music. Like, fucking relax. At the peak of his fame, <laughs> he was throwing legendary parties in his Palm Island mansion, purchasing a 170-foot yacht called the Tiffany and amassing a collection of exotic cars that included rare Ferraris and a Bentley. He traveled exclusively to recording sessions on a private jet, which, quote, could cost you anywhere between $50,000 for a domestic flight and $250,000 overseas. So, yeah, it's an expensive habit. And This quote, is like Johnny Depp spending habits. Right. It's like you spent how much on a bottle of what? <laughs> <laughs> 
He earned a reported $17 million in 2006 alone, on par with Kanye and Pharrell that same year. But he alienated the labels, managers, and artists who help who helped make him rich with his $10 million Greco-Roman mansion, <laughs> fleet of exotic cars, and reliance on private jets. He earned himself the nicknames, quote, the most loathsome man in music and McDouche. In 2007, he angered Def Jam after the label booked a really expensive studio for him and Janet Jackson to work on tracks. But instead, he says they partied at his house. He that's and Timbaland. Like, by the way, that's the first album she stops working with, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on, like her first one in pretty much her entire career. And look at how it turned out. <laughs> Uh, Scott Storch and Timbaland got into it over production credits for Crimea River, but it has since been settled. And essentially between 2006 and 2007, he goes from having 12 or more credits on singles and albums to about half that by the end of 2007, but probably maintains the same spending habits. So what beats pair well with Chapter 13 and Rehab? By 2009, his lowest output year, Storch files for Chapter 13 bankruptcy. He lost his home and was arrested for grand theft auto for failing to return a 2004 Bentley GT that he at least allegedly for Lil' Kim. He also alleges that he inadvertently got caught up in the quote-unquote politics of the West Coast hip-hop scene where warring factions turned to violence to end disputes. He declined to be more specific, though. By April of 2009... Storch entered Recovery First Rehab Facility in Hollywood, Florida, where he was treated for three months in an outpatient. He said he is, he said at the time that he emerged a changed man, but in February of 2012, he was busted for coke possession in Las Vegas. But we're not judging that. This is just a, a mere fact I am putting in here. When all is said and done, though, he burned through $70 million. What? When he filed for bankruptcy, he reported that he had $100 cash on hand. That's it. How? I mean, I look... I'm not saying I don't enjoy a decadence here and there, but like, how do you blow through that much? I mean, literally blow for lack of a better term <laughs> through that kind of money. Emily, don't forget the private jets, but also he bought a yacht. He has this mansion like mansions are expensive, like to clean that. That's costly. It's not cheap. That's And true. so let's just say he's spending i don't know probably about 70 million a year or more like of course he's gonna burn through anything that he saves i mean it just sounds insane like maintenance for a yacht you've got to like dock that bitch somewhere i mean like you don't know how to fucking captain a fucking yacht so you gotta pay somebody to take you out or something mm. it's very easy when you look at his you know lifestyle how he ended up there and plus he's like living in miami and he's like entertaining people and if you're taking $250,000 private plane rides like even once a month like that's gonna fuck you up financially that's true the moment you started laying it all down I'm like oh yeah 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 and and if he is then if his attitude is then bleeding over into work then and he's like fucking up that but still not changing his spending and making and earning less money then that's how you end up burning through 70 million dollars but like a phoenix, he has he hath risen. <laughs> Since 2015, Storch has stayed clean, minus smoking weed, and has focused on music. He even made up with Dr. Dre after Dre cut him off. As, as Storch tells it, quote, me and Dr. Dre didn't speak for a while because I was going through my problems, a.k.a. cocaine. My manager, Steve Lobel, had given me his number. I called him. We met up. We took a picture. It went viral. We reminisced. We talked about working in the future. We went 
for one session and worked a little bit. That was really it. But we stayed in touch to this day. Nothing but great vibes. <laughs> In 2017, other than working on Ansel Elgort's Supernova, he also started a weed business called Storch Labs. They are gourmet-inspired weed strains, but it's unclear if they're still in business, but it happened at some point. But most recently, he had two big hits with Chloe and Haley's Do It and Megan Thee Stallion's Girls in the Hood. So if you check out his Instagram, you can see he's still living in Florida. He's doing fine, still wearing sunglasses constantly. And that is the ballad of Scott Storch. The ballad of Scott Storch. Really, a lot of white men who wore sunglasses everywhere all the time. And oh, and like, I'm here to tell you the brand is still strong. He's still doing it. Well, you know, that's good. Good. At least he kept some things from the past. Good. Like, oh, better. and he definitely still dresses exactly the same, which is okay, to say good. either like all white fit or he's just like head to toe in label of whatever like he's some real housewife or something and you're just like okay we get it like you're doing fine we're all happy for you i mean he's also worked on like a couple of other like he's worked with jack harlow and the kid Leroy, who i don't personally listen to but know that they are emerging artists who do well so it sounds like he's kind of getting his second wind and he's taking it serious i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And he's mostly sober. And I hope he has a better accountant and is better at saving money this time around, to be honest, because I don't really know, you know, just due to time, if you will get to have a second wind if you blow through $70 million again. But I hope that it's a lesson that you only need to learn once. But also in kind of finding out the stuff about Scott Storch, it, it did kind of remind me a little bit of Spencer Pratt, you know, oh, except yeah. you know, swap out cocaine with crystals and you're just like, how <laughs> is this happening? <laughs> I feel like the contrast here, like w- between Scott Storch versus the Neptunes, like Scott Storch had all the success, but is a cautionary tale of what like excess can do to you. Whereas mm-hmm. the Neptunes kind of just have continued and continued and like, it's just... There's a point in which I go, yeah, I don't really need to keep talking about them because they're doing very well to this day. Yep. <laughs> but for us, for the Neptunes, recently, my home state of Virginia has begun taking down all of its statues and monuments of Confederate soldiers, thank God. While this should have happened a long time ago, and to be honest, should have never even happened because basically it's like the ultimate participation trophy for something really shitty, I'm happy to see Virginia make these much-needed changes. Even before last year, when these actions began taking place, I spent a sizable portion of my time on Twitter advocating 
that we replace these statues with some real state heroes. My home state is a place that can call itself responsible for a few people that I'm kind of not so proud of about, like Dave Matthews and Jason Mraz, who I will concede have made many bros happy. So like no major hate to them. They, you know, they can stay where they are, whatever. And then the people I believe truly deserve monuments that include Dave Grohl, Patsy Cline, Missy Elliott, Timbaland, D'Angelo, and who I'm talking about today, the Neptunes. The Neptunes are actually two people, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo. They've been collaborating together since 1990, which I didn't realize that partnership was 30 plus years old, but that is insane. And they both hail from Virginia Beach. Obviously, Pharrell is the more visible of the two and kind of the calling card for a lot of their production credits is his falsetto on songs and various other things. He sings on a lot of the tracks they've produced. Well, Chad Hugo is definitely more behind the scenes, but they still work together quite a bit. So a little more about each of them as individuals. Pharrell Lancelo, I believe is how you pronounce his middle name, Williams, a.k.a. Pharrell, a.k.a. Pharrell Williams, born April 5th, 1973 in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I refuse to believe this because he doesn't look a day over 24, but he's turning, I know. turning it's 52 years. My God. I, I don't, he looks, him and his wife, mm-hmm. they both look incredible like I bet if you walk past them they glow they oh for sure I have seriously considered buying that humankind skincare line he does I know it's pricey but like if it works for him I just look as somebody who spent way too much time on the moon juice website today for research for a pilot I um, am convinced that I need to get some beauty dust to now maintain a Pharrell like glow if I want that to happen so you know you're in a safe space I am gonna hit you up on your moon juice research because I've asked myself the same fucking question Maybe that could be like a Patreon idea is that we try a bunch of weird wellness stuff and tell you if it works or not. (laughs) Pharrell is the oldest of three and was born to Carolyn Williams, a teacher, and Pharaoh Williams, a handyman. Meanwhile, Chad Hugo was born Charles Edward Hugo in Portsmouth, Virginia on February 24th, 1974, a fellow Pisces, to Filipino parents. His father is a retired Navy officer while his mother was a lab technician. Like Pharrell, they both grew up in the Virginia Beach area. So little backstory in Virginia geography, since you're going to hear a lot about various Virginia towns throughout this portion. Um, The area of the state we're going to be talking about is the most southeastern point. It includes Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Newport News, and Portsmouth. And for those of you who are natives of Norfolk, I did not pronounce it correctly, and I I know that. It's more like Norfolk, but I'm not going to do that. Um, (laughs) Chad and Pharrell met in seventh grade band camp for gifted and talented students in the late 80s. Pharrell played jumps, and uh, Chad played the sax, which is a reminder that some wholesome good things can come out of band camp and not just what they talk about in American Pie. They would later go on to attend Princess Anne High School in Virginia Beach, and even before working together as just a duo in the early 90s, Williams and Hugo, along with Timbaland and Magoo, formed a hip-hop group called Surrounded by Idiots. Though they never... <laughs> I know. Incredible. High school name, if I've ever heard one when it comes Seriously. to a band name. Though they never released a record, their tracks have gotten a cult following online. Um, they were released at one point or another on like SoundCloud, including a song that samples Michael Jackson's Human Nature. So I'd listened to it a little bit when I was doing my research. I was like, this is like a bunch of high school kids. This is really good. Williams and Hugo then formed a four-piece R&B group, which was the first incarnation of the Neptunes with friends Shay Haley and Mike Etheridge. 
The Neptunes performed in a local talent show in 1992 and caught the attention of Teddy Riley, who had just opened a studio nearby in Virginia Beach. Teddy Riley, for those of you who don't know, is one of the most influential people in R&B and hip-hop in the late 80s and early 90s. He is basically the godfather of New Jack Swing and was in the New Jack Swing group Guy and later founded the group Blackstreet. I just finished listening to a six-part podcast on New Jack Swing, uh, narrated by Taraji P. Henson, who I just have to shout out, grew up only a few hours north of Virginia Beach in D.C., Teddy Riley at the time. I will also interject quickly that Teddy Riley is maybe sounds familiar to you is because last year he hilariously couldn't make it like they had two versus appointments with him with versus (laughs) Babyface, And every time like the tech wasn't right and it was like completely comical. But then (laughs) when he did eventually get it up and running like on the third try, like it was great and he totally crushed it. But Babyface by the third time was literally laying down from his couch singing. And it was (laughs) just like, I can't fucking. I'm so exhausted. Like I'm over this. I'm over this man. So if Teddy Riley's Teddy, Riley sounds a little familiar to you. It's because of last year and that iconic versus, which is absolutely bananas. And the tweets were even funnier. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And I do love that they had put the two of them in the verses since uh, Babyface was pretty much the other kind of iconic producer at the time for R&B. Exactly. Yeah. They're like contemporaries and they're around the same ish age, but for it sure. was just like, it really cracked me up. Like the first time he's like, yeah, the Wi-Fi is not working. And so the internet was like, why would you not have your Wi-Fi work on the day that it should just be working? Like, can you figure this out? Anyway, it was great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so Teddy Riley, around the time that he meets the Neptunes, he had just co-produced with Quincy Jones the Michael Jackson album Dangerous, which was incredibly influenced by New Jack Swing, specifically the track Remember the Time. And Teddy Riley decides that he wants to work with the Neptunes. And one of the first things they do is Pharrell writes Teddy Riley's verse for the Rex and Effects song Rump Shaker, which oh. I forgot he's a part of. Um, I did not realize even. And then they end up working closely. The um, Neptunes end up working closely under Riley in the early to mid to 90s, including on the SWV classic Human Nature remix of Right Here, which, by the way, the ad lib part that's like S, a double, a U, a V, that's like Baby Pharrell. That's like his first little like Aww. signature. I know. I, it's a great song. They also helped produce a few tracks on the Black Street debut album, then Teddy Riley's brand new project. And they kind of come into their own as producers without Teddy Riley into the mid-90s as they produce tracks for SWV. And later in 1997 on the May song, Looking at Me, featuring then Puff Daddy, now Diddy. <laughs> this is very much the first time we begin to hear that signature Neptune sound. So lots of synths, almost new wavy, drum perk heavy, etc. Um, they also produced Noriaga's track, Super Hug, in 1998. And both these singles chart pretty high. Uh, Superhug also featured backing vocals from Khalees, who becomes regularly featured on Neptune's produced tracks and will later work with the Neptunes on her albums. The Neptunes begin producing full albums into the late 90s. They'll produce Khalees' debut, Kaleidoscope, and later Clips' debut album. 
Clips was a duo made up of brothers Gene No Malice Thornton and then Terrence Pusha T. Thornton, who I didn't realize Pusha T was a Virginia Beach native, but he is. Oh my God, he has he mentions Virginia Beach in like all of his I raps. I know, I forgot <laughs> though. I think I like, which is dumb. Like I should have remembered this, but he, yes. The one time I was, I was so excited to see the clips. They were playing at Coachella. I was like, can't wait. I've been wanting to see them since high school. So excited. They got canceled at the very last minute, like day of, because they both got arrested at the airport for like having guns on them. Oh, no. And Pusha T also works. I mean, there's like an interesting connection to Kanye because Pusha T works with Kanye all the time. Exactly. Like he becomes, I feel like Kanye kind of, I mean, Kanye was known as a producer before being an artist. And that's very much the case with the Neptunes as well. Like Pharrell is very well known as a producer way before he gets to kind of have a solo career on his own. But yeah, no, it's, it's funny because like all of these people kind of pop into each other's lives who are from this Virginia beach area. So there's Pusha T there, the Neptunes, there's Missy Elliott, there's Timbaland, there's D'Angelo. Like it's, they all kind of do a little bit in each of um, their careers at one point or another, which I think is just like pretty fascinating. Obviously Pusha T would go on to have a great solo career clips, even though they're like a huge cult following, like people love them. They actually never sold that many records. And even one of their first albums got shelved by Elektra. But Grindin, which is like one of their most iconic songs, it ends Grinding. up- Grinding. You have yeah. to like hit the like ding part. Grinding. <laughs> that but was it- like a ringtone on my fucking sidekick for the longest time. I love that life for you. Um, <laughs> it is in fact though considered to be kind of the most important Neptune's produced track and yeah. influential because it really sets the stage for the wave of hip hop production that they're going to be a part of. The track features claps, snaps, boom, 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 boom. boom. I'm not going to try to beatbox like anyway. Um, but it has that, you know, that, that signature, like boom, 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 boom. And the stomps, like it has everything that you then later hear in Jay Kwan's track, Tipsy, like I was mentioning earlier, or Lil Mama's cla- uh, song, Lip Gloss. Like these songs were not produced by the Neptunes, but the influence was so high at that point that it shows up in everybody's tracks in some way, shape, or form. But back to 1999, the next major track featuring Khalees on vocals is going to be the ODB classic, Get Got Your Money, which we talked about on the pod. I believe that might have been our best songs of 99 episode. I'm, I'm blanking, but... Um, classic 2000 will be another banner year for the neptunes and here's just a sampling of their tracks that year i do a short paragraph for the next few years because like there's just so much good stuff it's mystical shake your ass in danger featuring nivia Ludacris's southern hospitality beanie man's girls them sugar featuring maya several remixes including backstreet boys the call Shade's by your side ben harper and the innocent criminal steal my kisses and jay-z's i just want to love you give it to me which uh another example of pharrell's signature falsetto i'm a hustler baby and give it to me i'm just gonna keep doing little falsetto interjections throughout this Um, i support you and this was jay-z's first billboard number one by the way i did not realize that but i guess he had had like he had a couple songs at that point that had been big but this i forgot was kind of his first number one 
as mentioned earlier, the name Shay Haley, um, he is featured on I Just Want to Love You as well. And he, like I said, was a member of NERD with Williams and Hugo. And in fact, NERD's debut album, In Search Of, will come out the next year in 2001 and was, of course, produced by the Neptunes. Again, banner year for the Neptunes. This whole research session was just a walk down memory lane, by the way. Here's just like another sampling of the greatest hits out of just 2001 alone. They produced Khalees' second album, Wanderland, Diddy's track, Diddy, NSYNC's Girlfriend, Usher's You Don't Have to Call, Fabulous' Young and Holla Back, and our Queen Britney Spears' I'm a Slave for You and Boys. By the way, it's pretty amazing that in a two-year period, three of the most important artists of the late 90s bubble pop movement, BSB, NSYNC, and Britney, will work with the Neptunes. This is kind of where we see this trend from like super pop-heavy bubblegum pop tracks with these artists. Um, They kind of decline, and instead they move into a more hip-hop R&B-focused direction by working with the Neptunes. All of these three artists were actually on Jive Records, which had roots in being a hip-hop label before going really very pop in the late 90s. So very interesting that they would go back into that hip-hop. At least those Jive artists would kind of have more of a hip-hop influence. I'm a Slave for You is kind of the first time where Britney was making decisions of the producers she would get to work with. And it was for the Neptunes, their first big like non-hip hop or R&B hit. And it opened the door for the duo to work with like a plethora of other artists, which to me sounds a little racist, to be honest. Like, I think we've talked about this on the pod a lot. Like there, there's less of a distinction now, but back then there was very much a like, this is hip hop R&B versus this is pop. Nowadays, I think we'd see everything as being pop or something like that. But a lot of us was very race-based and kind of segregated in that sense. Would you agree? I definitely do. I think you're totally correct. And now it's definitely linked to like a sound like what are you sounding like? Like I think if Lil Nas X, for example, came out in like the early 2000s, he'd be rapped straight up and that would all that that would be all he'd be able to do. Now it's more like he's like pop rap, which is like or pop hip hop, which is like a very common genre that a lot of artists from different backgrounds are from and isn't necessarily slotted towards like a race thing um so and like you just see a lot more crossover like now when people talk about crossing over from one genre to the next it's like people just go and maybe this is like to credit to Beyonce and Madonna like they can switch between albums and it's like oh this is going to be my pop phase and this is going to be my country phase and people can kind of like go between genres versus it being as segregated as it used to be Completely. Yeah. And it's really, I, I'm happy to see that we have moved past that and it doesn't have to be someone gets pigeonholed. Shout out to Lemonos X though. That Montero album is fantastic. It's great. It's, it's so great. good. It, and it's got, I mean, even just within one album, it just shows like, I think now an album is maybe a little bit more reflective of an artist's taste yes. and what they like and what they want to sound like. And it can change from track to track. And I think his album's like a really great example of that. Completely. Um, or, you know, be like, Casey Musgraves or be like Taylor Swift and like, oh, I'm going to do country and I'm going to switch to pop and I'm going to go do folk. And like, you can do that. There's a little Nas X track on his album that sounds like Postal Service. Straight up sounds like Postal Service. That Citadel song? It does. Yes. Yeah. It really sounds like, um, oh my God. Whatever, like you said, any postal service, like it sounds like it belongs on like, the Garden State soundtrack. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it, it, yeah, I knew exactly what song you're talking about. 2002, again, it's not even fair. There will be a great documentary or docu-series on the Neptunes one day, and I will just like watch the shit out of it. (laughs) 
they are going to be major producers on Justin Timberlake's debut album, Justified, including the song Senorita, Like I Love You, and Rock Your Body, and that's just a sampling of them. The Virginia Beach connection is very real here because, of course, Timbaland works quite a bit on that album, and as we talked about uh, earlier, including the much-disputed track, Crimea River. Other tracks in 2002 include Buster Rhymes' Pass the Corvazier, Nelly's Hot and Her, Another prime Neptune signature style track that was often imitated in the early to mid 2000s, Jay-Z's Excuse Me Miss, Snoop Dogg's Beautiful, again, signature Beautiful, Common's Come Close, and Solange's Crush from her debut album, Solo Star. The next year, 2003, would see the release of the Neptune's compilation album, Clones, and production credits on several of Khaleesi's tracks from her Tasty album, including Milkshake, two songs off of the Jay-Z's Black album, Change Clothes, and Allure. In 2004, NERD's Fly or Die album was released, including the banger She Wants to Move. And here are just a few more Neptunes produced bangers because why not continue the trip down memory lane? Gwen Stefani's Holla Back Girl, Snoop Dogg's Drop It Like It's Hot, Let's Get uh, Blown and Signs, all featuring Pharrell, by the way. And then 2004 is also the year they'll win Producer of the Year at the Grammy Awards. And that is where I'm going to kind of stop it with the Neptunes and go into their legacy because, I mean, it just continues. There's not much more else to say. They are probably the most important. You mean they didn't blow $70 million on blow and yachts and their tacky house? You've seen Pharrell's face. That man has not been touching Scott's storage levels of cocaine. (laughs) Absolutely not. I bet he has like a whole moon juice based ritual that we're not privy to. I mean, this man is like responsible for, I don't know, like a condo high rise in Florida. That's like an investment property now. Like he clearly did well with, I mean, not only did the Neptunes never stop working, like they've consistently worked for forever. They're like one of those like character actors that has like 182 credits. And you're like, wow, you've really just literally been in everything for the last 20 years. Um, They are. uh... And he can just make these fucking earworms like happy. I fucking hate that song, but it was everywhere for like three and a half years. Three and a half years. Those residues are probably insane. Oh, completely. Completely. I, you know, that song annoyed me so much because I have an upstairs neighbor at one Uh point, my first apartment in San Francisco, who decided he was a bass player and he decided one Sunday he would just keep playing. No. bass riff in no. the chorus and so i now know that bass riff it's dum da 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 like i just <laughs> it is seared in my memory like a branded like nixium like cult member that sounds oh horrible, boy but it's like it is <laughs> man is so, keith ranieri my god but really what else can i say in addition to all the aforementioned artists the Neptunes have worked with Beyonce, LL Cool J, Lupe Fiasco, Missy Elliott, Q-Tip, Faith Evans, Omarion, Limp Bizkit, Prince, Sierra, Mostaf, Mary J. Blige, etc., etc. In 2009, Billboard ranked the Neptunes number one on their list of the top 10 producers of the decade in January of 2020, and the Neptunes were announced to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame as part of that 2020 class. In May of 2021, Hugo and Williams received honorary doctorates from the Berklee College of Music in Boston and the Boston Conservatory at Berklee. And that's really it. I mean, you all know what's been going on in Pharrell's life. Just skincare, great skincare, great regiment. Crying when he heard Maggie Rogers at NYU. Oh my God. Signed her to his label. Like, it's just that clip when I want some uplift 
like an uplifting moment, I like go on YouTube and I find that clip. It's so pure. And I can't believe she's now at Harvard. (laughs) I know. I learned that this week. I've been watching her TikTok videos. But we, I feel like this episode would make for a great playlist. We should make a playlist for this. Oh, this is definitely playlist worthy for sure. For sure. So be on the lookout for that. But that's really all I have to say about the Neptunes. Do you have any final thoughts? No, just thank you to Scott Storch and the Neptunes for providing the soundtrack for the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. Like, it, I I am still, I will be texting you for who knows how long every time I, like, <laughs> remember that, like, oh, yeah, Scott Storch did turn it up. Like, <laughs> we should listen to that right now. <laughs> I will say, like, I do imagine one day someone's going to make, like, an American graffiti remake of, like, the George Lucas movie where instead of, like, the wall-to-wall uh, soundtrack sound as a radio station, you know, playing 50s hits, it's going to just be a radio DJ playing nonstop, like, Neptune's produced and Scott Storch produced tracks. Like, that'll be the movie and it's a bunch of high school students in, like, 2005. I think there's there's room for this movie somewhere. I think there couldn't be a more perfect note to go out on. (laughs) So that's really it for us. But we want to thank you again for listening to our podcast. If you like what you've heard, you can check out our other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, Pocket Cast, wherever you like to listen. The best way to stay up to date on our latest episodes is to subscribe to our podcast. And while you're hitting that subscribe button, maybe leave us a rating and a review. Additionally, we're on social media. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Old Millennials Pod. That is where I feature a lot of my fun Photoshop hacks. And then finally, you can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Emily A. Beijen. And I'm at Marg Shiro. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.